Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Shattercast. We're so excited to be able to bring you guys, our amazing and wonderful audience, another interview this time with another game designer. Uh, I'm really, really excited about that. So today I am joined, as always, by the lovely Derek Whitmore and the even lovelier wife of mine, Hannah. Uh, but we also have a special guest and I'm going to let Derek uh, do the honors of introducing uh, this fellow to our audience. Awesome. We're super excited. We have Patrick Lysite here. Um, him and his wife, Catherine, created this amazing game called Commission. Uh, so just excited to hear a little bit more about that and how that came. And something really cool, they have an expansion coming out that's about to hit Kickstarter. So uh, we were introduced to Patrick by another game designer that we know, a good friend of ours. So he put us in touch and just excited to have him here today and uh, just let us know a little bit more about his game and some of the things that they get excited about. So Patrick, thanks so much for having us here uh yeah i will uh, turn over to you i uh feel free to share anything about uh, yourself that you want and also you and your wife Catherine designed this game together so um just excited to know about your design process with that so yeah absolutely thank you so much for having me guys i, I really appreciate it uh so my name is patrick lesite my wife is Catherine. Uh, we have been married for 18 years, have four kids. We homeschool. Uh, I'm active duty military, so we move around a lot. Uh, we started Kara Games in 2014, really to publish Commission, which is the, the game that's right behind you there. Uh, we had designed that and pushed it out and, and uh, presented it in person to about 20 different publishers. And they all said, we love this game and love how it plays. It's got some really interesting mechanics but we don't like the theme, so we're going to take it and make it about zombies. And I was like, uh, that's not quite what I was going for uh, with the design uh, for this game. So, uh, we, you know, it was a long process, but we eventually got to Kickstarter in 2015, commissioned release in January of 2016, has done very well, and we've been able to uh, release three other games. And now... Like you can see in the background behind me, our first expansion, it's called Commission the Call. Let's see if I can get that in the face. So here's the prototype. <laughs> I'm cutting out all kinds of weird things going on here, but uh, the expansion is what's coming to Kickstarter on, on the 20th of October. And we are happy to be here to tell you guys about it, uh, but also to talk through all the ins and outs of being a publisher, being a designer, uh, being a Christian in the game space, happy to, to take the conversation wherever you guys want it to go. Awesome, man. Well, uh, I mean, let's, let's just jump right in. One of the things that, that's really interesting to me as, as a married man uh, is that you and your wife worked on this game together. Uh, so what was, that, what was that process like and how did you, uh, probably the, the easiest question, uh, at least the most common one, how did you come up with and decide on uh, this particular uh, topic and theme for a Bible-based board game? How did you decide on doing something with the apostles in the early church? Uh, that's a great question. So uh, that kind of really goes back into how I got into game design. So I'll start there real quick. So back in 2012, uh, my wife's family was coming over for Thanksgiving and her brother likes military games and her sister likes economic games. And I was like, all right, I'll make one. Boom. <laughs> I smashed a couple of games together and it was awful. Uh, but after about six months, it wasn't awful anymore. And I, I ended up going uh, to uh, Origins in Columbus to meet some publishers. And that game got picked up for a while. Uh, and uh, in the process, I got exposed to the larger gaming community. And so when that game design was complete, I saw all the new modern mechanics. Uh, we, I was looking around. What I didn't see was any representation of uh, Christianity in the space, right? And and that's neither good nor bad in the sense of, uh, of a game thing. But I just thought there are so many good ways to tell stories in modern board games. Like, why has this, why has this not been done? Like, I can't be the first one to have this thought. Yeah. Um, so I went home and, and I talked to my wife and I was like, I really love this game design thing. I want to do another one, but it takes so much time. Would it be something that you're interested in doing with me 
for fun, like together as a, as a project in the, in the evenings. And she's like, okay, she's a big gamer, uh, but was not enthused about all of the, uh, the time that was about to get dumped into this project. She, she had a much better, uh, you know, understanding of that, having watched me just go through this for the, the first game. So, um, so we, we said, okay, we're going we're gonna to do this uh, thing together at night. Uh, it's going to be fun, I promise. Uh, and so what are we going to make this game about? And I had just finished a master's degree uh, that included some church history. Mm-hmm. And she had just finished a, uh, a Bible study on the book of Acts. And what we had uncovered in that is that uh, from the Christian standpoint, we don't do a good job at teaching early church history. Mm-hmm. It's just not something that's covered. So you have the New Testament and what happened while the New Testament was writing. But what happened after then, we, we as a church just generally don't know. So to find out, you either have to sit in like a 12-hour long church history lecture <laughs> Right. Or read a book that can you know, physically crush your will to live with how thick it is. Right. So um, we decided that we wanted to take this board gaming space with all these new mechanics and, and ways to of participating and really diving into some uh, thematic material. Uh, and, and let's make a game that tells these stories so that you can learn that church history in a way that's fun instead of, you know, eye stabbingly boring. Uh, so we decided uh, that we would uh, take on early church history and kind of work through the book of Acts. And that's where commission came out of. And, and that was a long, well, I mean, it wasn't physically long in, in terms of the amount of time it took to put the game together, but how the game, like where we started to where the game ended was dramatically different in terms of uh, the layout of the design. And that, um, that, process really happened because of our interaction uh, between the two of us uh, as as partners in the design process. I'm kind of the grind through a design, uh, do all the nuts and bolts, run the spreadsheet, make sure the math works, work out all the kinks and balance. And Catherine is much more the good idea person when I hit a brick wall. I'm like, I can't move this design any farther forward. I'm stuck. She said, well, what about if we did, oh, boom, mental explosion, and here we go, into the next uh, hurdle of the game design. And so that's, that's kind of how our process works um, and, and really uh, how commissioned came to be. Very cool. That's, that's like a, a great partnership. Great <laughs> yeah. You guys really complement each other well, for sure. She, uh, she is definitely a, a key part to the process. Um, you know, just being able to have that outside perspective uh, as a, a seasoned veteran gamer, but at the same time also not being so down in the trenches with the details of the design that she can see big picture where we're uh, meant to go. So like, for example, Commissioned started off, actually, I don't think we've talked about it. So let me just, for people who don't know, Commissioned is a two to six player historically themed one hour cooperative game with a simple deck building mechanic where the players act as the apostles of the early church and you work your way through about the first 150 years of church history, uh, encountering the natural disasters, religious persecution and government oppression that the early church actually encountered. Right? So the game doesn't tell you what to think about that. It just puts you dumps you into the first century. And as a team, you have to try to achieve what the church achieved in face of the obstacles that they actually face. It's got five different scenarios, two difficulty modes, uh, a lot of different things in the box uh, that, to explore. But that's how it ended. When it started, uh, Commissioned was a like draw and resolve kind of game. Like there was one pile, it had all the good stuff and the bad stuff in one pile. So on your turn, you drew uh, and you had to resolve the events. And after about a month, we had really tailored in the events that we wanted, but the game was just terrible. Like we just playing the game. I feel like I just want to die. This game is so boring. Maybe there's a reason church history lectures are boring. No. Uh, And I was sitting there as I was like, I just don't know how to fix it. And Catherine comes in with her outside the box thinking and says, well, what if this was a deck building game? wait a minute that's amazing 
And so what happened is that uh, that pile, the goods and bads, got split initially into two decks, right? The the good stuff that's happened became the 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 cannon fodder for the faith decks that the apostles use, and and the bad stuff became the trial deck that's working against the team, right? And so that, that was the first split. And then as we looked at the individual apostles, okay, well, they all have a historical ability connected to their personality, right? So that became the core of each apostle starting faith deck. So now as you play different apostles, you have a slightly different experience. And as you build your deck with some of the stronger cards from the mature pools that you can get, you can really start to explore some of the historical, uh, you know, unique events that happen, miracles and, uh, you know, specific uh, historical events from the book of Acts that can flow into your apostles deck through the process of the game. And it creates an interesting balance in the game between do I use the cards I have in my hand right now to help the team, which you have to do to win the game, or do I keep the best cards for me right now in order to make myself stronger, which I also have to do to win the game, to help the team. And so it creates some really interesting personal choices yeah. that each player has to make as you play the game. And it opened the venue for us to begin to control some of the alpha gamer issues that a lot of cooperative games encounter, because now you're the only one that can build your deck and you're playing every turn and you're building your deck each time and you have to make those choices and no, nobody else can make those choices for you. And so it, it kind of offsets some of those problems that a lot of the cooperative games uh, suffer from. But it all came back to that one idea from Catherine, like, what about if we made this deck building? Oh, my <laughs> brain exploded <laughs> notes everywhere. It was fun. Yeah, deck building is actually my favorite mechanic when it comes to board games. Um, and I know John and I really appreciate when there is asymmetry with characters. Um, so that's really cool. There was another mechanic I noticed in your game that you have that affects that collaborative part where um, certain roll dies will mean that you aren't allowed to talk. Uh, what led you to adding a mechanic like that and is there maybe a thematic reason for it or was it just to add some complexity? Well, I think it's both. Um, so part of it is controlling the alpha gamer, right? So by controlling and limiting communication, everyone has to be involved at every turn because at it, you know, if you roll the die with a, it's an eight sided die. And if you roll a three or less, you're not allowed to talk for the rest of that turn. So the person who has the elder staff that rotates through, everybody gets a turn and just kind of cycles around the table. That person has to make the decisions for the team for that round. So if they're not paying attention, you can really do some serious damage to your team, which it keep, keeps everybody involved. Uh, it also uh, allows you to rotate the decision-making. So even when you can talk, you know, somebody can recommend, but that one player has to say, yes, that's what we're going to do. Those are the pieces we're going to move. That, those are the cards that we're going to select. Uh, and so mechanically, it really helps with the flow of information and, and the involvement of everybody around the table. I think thematically, it makes a lot of sense because communication in the first century is not like communication now. Like we're having this amazing Zoom call. You're crystal clear hearing everything that I'm saying. You can see me and my body language. And all. In the first century, you had to send a letter with somebody that had to go on a, either on a ship which was liable to get shipwrecked or, you know, overland for months to get to where you're going to, and, and that thing could get lost. It could get destroyed. Somebody could intercept it. Like, so all of those real world effects from that era of history align really well with the message die roll that you have to do on each turn within commission. And so it was both a mechanical bonus for us, but also a thematic representation. We are trying to, take the players out of their, you know, modern conveniences and hyper accurate maps and all of those good things and put them in the uncertainty that would have been the, the first century. Right. And so that's why the map is a Roman map and it's East up instead of North up and people just start looking at the map as they <laughs> like, what am I looking at right now? It just, it takes people out of their modern space and says, 
this is the information they had at the time and what they had to do and you know what they had to do so can you do the same thing uh, and a lot of players find out it's it's a lot more difficult than they would have assumed I loved your map and it actually took me a, a little while to orient myself and uh, I know there's some reasons for that and we'll get to that in a second but uh, we we're talking about mechanics I love the deck building aspect uh, because there's also the choice of I'm going to keep these cards. You have a mechanic where um, in order to add some books to the canon, you have to actually, you know, be willing to give up some cards. There's buying new cards, stuff like that. And then there's this whole uh, trying to spread the church and uh, where people are going. Uh, one reviewer called it like pandemic and reverse. So if someone is kind of new to commission, and even before we get to the faith aspect, I guess, what are some things, some ways you would describe it to them uh, and, and why would they just enjoy this just from a game playing point of view? So we, we talked a little bit about the alpha gamer stuff that commission does, and that's, that's unique to commission. I, I would argue that no cooperative game controls the alpha gamer issue quite as well as commission does. And that's because again, of the shared decision-making that's happening with the deck building. Now, the deck building, to be brutally honest up front, in the base game is a simplified deck building, right? You're going to be, you're going to be buying a couple of cards every couple of rounds, right? And so there's definite progress as you play through the game. But if, if you're sitting down and thinking it's going to be, you know, Dominion or Hearthstone, that's not the right perception, right? The deck building is a part of the game, uh, similar to the game Trains uh, by AEG, if you've played that. The deck... You build a deck to run the board. Yeah. And that's kind of what happens uh, in commissioned. Each of you is building an independent deck that then you contribute on a turn-by-turn -turn basis to a shared uh, pool of cards that can be picked from to select. And so you're going to have between four and six cards each round. Of those four and six that are available to the team, only two will get used. And so which cards get used when to achieve multiple objectives in order to, to uh, win the scenario-driven victory conditions. That's all the challenge of the game. So it's a nice blend and balance of deck building with a cooperative board-driven uh, style game. And then the commission base game has five different scenarios with very different victory conditions, right? So you may think you've got it all figured out in scenario number one, but when you get to scenario number two, the the, the victory conditions and the way the rules interact are going to change the entire dynamic of how you manage your deck and how you uh, interact with the, with the game board. So lots of replayability uh, built in uh, into the base game of commissioned. But as we looked at the expansion, what we wanted to do was add in some of that deck building rigor that wasn't in the base game. Uh, and also to, to bring in some new characters and some new scenarios to heighten that replayability. So I know we'll probably talk more about that later, but that's kind of the progression of what is happening in the commission space right now. Yeah, that's really good. Well, you mentioned uh, <clears throat> earlier and then, and then just now, obviously, part of the reason that we're, we're talking about the game now, it came out a few years ago, is because you are going to be launching uh, a Kickstarter here very shortly. So um, before we talk about that, what was it like to do the Kickstarter for this game several years ago? What, what was it like to, to ramp up, to manage the campaign, doing the fulfillment? I mean, uh, if, you could, if you could encapsulate uh, your experience running that Kickstarter and maybe like one or two lessons learned if there's someone watching who might be working on a board game themselves and they're thinking about using Kickstarter to make it a reality, uh, what, what would you say? So we'll set the uh, Wayback Machine for uh, 2015 and we'll kind of wind because 2015 Kickstarter is a very different animal than the yeah. 2020 uh, Kickstarter. So at that point, Kickstarter was still relatively new. I want to say two to three years old. The tabletop presence was already probably the largest part of Kickstarter consistently, uh, but the kind of the bar for expectations uh, for a, can a, a game to get funded were very, very low. Like you could, you could show up to Kickstarter with an idea and probably get it funded, right? Yeah. Um, so as a new company, when we went, we decided that um, we were gonna have the art all done. We we're gonna have the design all done. It was gonna be 
ready to go to the publisher the moment the campaign or go to the printer the moment the campaign ended. And what that allowed us to do, we had reviews uh, to include a Sam Healy played the prototype with us at uh, Origins and then did a, a preview video for us. So we had all the art done. We had all, I mean, everything laid out start to finish. And so as a new company trying to break in, we, you know, the bar for expectation was here and we came in above that bar showing that we meant business, that we had already paid for all the art up front. This was a game that just needed the printing money to go uh, to press. Yeah. And so that allowed us to kind of exceed the expectations of Kickstarter at the time, right? Now that is, you know, that level that we set, that we used in 2015 is now the base minimum yeah. for Kickstarter, Definitely. right? Uh, so as we're doing, I mean, we're doing all the same stuff, but now everybody else is as, as well, right? Uh, what we have going for us now as we go into this Kickstarter is that we have done four Kickstarters, they have all funded and they were all delivered one to two months ahead of schedule, right? So we now have a track record as a company that we have a process, it is in place. If you, uh, if you help us fund, you're gonna get that game and you're gonna get it when you expect uh, to get it. So we're hoping that, and, and we have seen this with each Kickstarter is that we have brought in more people as people begin to recognize us uh, as a known entity in, inside the, the game space with a track record. Now, that being said, what did that first campaign feel like? Oh, man, I, I have never been so nervous uh, as I hit that button. You know, when you step out into the space and, and people get a vote uh, on, on what they think of, of what you've done. And, you know, because at that point it would have been uh, probably 15 months, 18 months into the development of commissioned. And so, you know, we, we had kind of spent a lot of, uh, elbow grease and, and blood, sweat and tears into that design and, and to walk out into that space where publishers had straight up told us your game will not succeed because it does not have the market because it is a religiously themed game. And so we were moving out in the face of that. Uh, and, and having to trust that it, it would work. And, you know, we, I think, went in with a $9,000 funding goal, which is, you know, the bare minimum that we needed with the money that we had set aside personally to be able to make the game, uh, to, to be able to make the game. Yeah. And we ended up getting something like 22000 which actually ended up being the exact amount we needed to print and ship uh <laughs> Uh, all of the the games so like it, it was almost to the penny uh that exact amount so awesome. uh, it it was really uh really amazing and then just the overall reaction that commissioned has gotten you know named in multiple top tens on the dice tower uh, across the year in 2016 uh you know recognized by inroads and a couple other po folks the dice tower seal of approval um, we've sold almost 6,000 copies, which for a no-name company of officially one person, it's really me and my wife, but on paper, it's just me, right? Yeah. Uh, we've sold 6,000 copies of Commission, and uh, we are, it's kept our company in business and allowed us to continue to make good quality games. Thanks. Awesome. That's great. So going into this, way, awesome. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Really cool. I think I saw something about like the percentage for your funding was you reached 254% of your, your funding goal. Um, so going into this next Kickstarter, um, what can people expect from this expansion and how it builds on commission? Great, uh, great question. So uh, we are adding two new scenarios. So the base game had five, so now you'll have seven uh, and those deal with uh, a cultural uh, friction uh, that resulted in the Council of Jerusalem. And then the fact that the apostles couldn't be everywhere at the same time. And so uh, divisions started happening within the churches that they had left behind. And so the second scenario is called Passing the Torch and kind of ex explores that reality of friction uh, within the church instead of outside of the church. Uh, then we've got two new apostles that we're adding. So uh, we're adding Phoebe and Priscilla uh, to give uh, some female character options. Uh, because women were a huge part of the early church uh, and, and the church could not have done uh, what it did without 
without women actively participating. So Phoebe uh, is a deacon and she removes fellowship stops, which are a new stop that's, uh, we know we had mission and growth stops. Mm -hmm. Fellowship stop represent a breakdown in the fellowship within the church. And you can actually lose church members uh, every round if those aren't uh, resolved. And so Phoebe does that, but then she also is what we call a force multiplier. She can add plus one to any other effect because as a deacon in the church, she is always there right where you need her, you know, uh, thick in the action, making sure things work out more efficiently than they would be if she wasn't around. So you can get an extra movement or remove an extra stop. She's there to, to uh, fill in where you need. And then Priscilla, who was a teacher, Priscilla and Aquila were mentoring Apollos and, and, and several other uh, early Christian leaders. Uh, so she helps you deal with chains. So cha the chains module introduces negative cards into the faith card or into the faith deck for the first time. So these are cards where you're going to have to make a decision. Do I play this and hurt the team or do I keep it and hurt myself? <laughs> There's no good option there, right? Yeah. But Priscilla, as a teacher, helps you deal with those hurts, habits, hangups, just like a good teacher would. And so she can uh, help cancel some of those negative effects. Or if you're not playing with chains, because that part is optional, mm -hmm. then her cards can be used at the end of the round to dig through your entire discard pile, take your two most valuable cards and use those cards to buy new cards with, right? So she will help you get much stronger, much faster as you play uh, throughout the game. So excited to have uh, Phoebe and Priscilla uh, in the expansion. So two new scenarios, two new apostles. We're now adding a solo play mode, which can be used with all seven of the expansion and base game scenarios. This isn't just a, you play multiple players to make it work. It's an entirely ground up new way to play the game by yourself where you have card drafting and rotating trial effects and all <laughs> kinds of things going on with the solo play mode. So if you can't get your game group together, like us, you can now play commissioned by yourself and enjoy all the goodness that's in the box. Um, and then the last thing is the chains module. So the chains module includes the negative cards that are built to make the deck building challenge a little bit more rigorous for folks who are looking for that, right? And then to help uh, offset chains, we've introduced an entirely new deck to the game, which is the restore deck. So if you don't have a chain and one of your teammates does, you can draw one of these restore cards and read a quick scenario. And then it gives the other player who has the chain a choice in how they respond. And based on how they respond, it affects how both of you actually mature. So you may be able to get that chain out of that hand because you are helping restore the other player. Mm. But that's not always guaranteed because sometimes the person doing the restoring is way off on their approach. And sometimes the person being restored just doesn't want to hear it, right? And the communication doesn't happen. So that deck has some uncertainty in it, but it's a, a unique way to bring a little bit more interaction into the, into the game, uh, especially in the mature phase, uh, and also explore thematically how bad the church has been at helping each other out and get through issues where we are, uh, we are definitely capable of, of hurting and helping the people inside the church. And, and that takes practice and discipline to do. So two new scenarios, two new apostles, uh, the solo play mode and the chains module really form the heart of what is in the call uh, expansion. That's really good. And I, I think uh, you, you really hit it on the head there with handling uh, some of those chain interactions between players, uh, depending on their approach. Um, Hannah's heard me say this a lot. I've often said that uh, Christians are one of the only armies in the world that uh, tend to shoot their own wounded. Um, and, uh, you know, sometimes we, we pile on people when, when they're, you know, in bondage and chains and stuff. And so that approach matters quite a lot. Um, when we're talking about the expansion, I've got kind of a two-in-one question here. So the, the commissioned Kickstarter was back in 2015. So the first part of the question is why now? You know, why five years later? Um, what, what was the impetus for that? And then the second part is what made you decide that uh, you wanted to do an expansion for commissioned? Was it just overall playtesting? It's been long enough. We want to add to the game. Was there a lot of good community feedback you wanted to incorporate? You know, what, what was kind of the impetus and the, for the, the, the expansion itself, but then also the timing of it? Yeah, that's both great questions, right? So when we finished commissioned, 
uh, we knew that there were going to be expansions. There, are, there were more stories to tell in this first 150 years uh, of the early church. Uh, and so we, we knew that we were going to wade back into those waters. We took about a year, year and a half off, and we started designing the expansion. Right? So we have been working on this expansion for a very long time. Uh, uh, so there are a couple of things that actually practically delayed uh, the expansion. One was we just, we ended up having to go through four rounds of public play testing with our play testers before we nailed down particularly how the chains were functioning. Uh, we kept swinging the pendulum between too complex and thematically rich to not complex or thematically rich enough. And so we kept swinging back and forth uh, until we finally uh, in round four got to where uh, we needed the, that part of the expansion to be. Uh, the second thing that delayed us is that uh, we were living in Panama City in 2018 in Panama City, Florida, when it got hit by Hurricane Michael. Oh, cat five storm yeah. and you know house cleared out and all of that and so we took about 12 months down from Kara games to just kind of as a family recoup uh from everything that had happened so while we had wanted to do this expansion significantly earlier this is as soon as we could get it to the point where it needed to be to go to kickstarter because as a small company we can't afford to release something that's not ready Right. We have to make sure that we get it right the first time. And so the call is ready now. We're very excited about it. It's so all told, you know, we've been percolating on this for four, four and a half years. And, and we are excited to get it out to people. And our play testers uh, are very excited uh, for seeing what they have cycled through, you know, on four different print and play versions. They've seen all the ugly. And now they get to see the coolness uh, as the game gets to Kickstarter. That's awesome. Thanks so much for sharing and uh, hope your family's been doing okay after the storm. That's a, a powerful story. So, yeah. It, it, you know, there are things that you wouldn't wish on anyone, but I will tell you that we have come through it stronger uh, with a, a better understanding of who each of us are, you know, in the family and, and how we can support each other. Uh, and, and most importantly, seeing God move in some really amazing ways in our personal life through just some really uh, rough time and, and, and how people deal with tragedy and how people deal with um, unexpected trauma. I think we have learned a lot and that actually has informed our approach to game design as well, being able to have a little bit more empathy for um, for people as they deal with raw trauma and, and how that all, uh, you know, kind of works through psychologically and spiritually and emotionally and all those, I mean, the physical impacts and everything, it, it was a, uh, a period of time that really has shifted us as people um, and, and for the better, uh, which, you know, is, it took a while to get there, but we are certainly there. It's really cool. Speaking about that, and I think that's a, a great way. I love the theme of commission uh, for two reasons. One, I think you themed it very well, but also the faith aspect. Um, and in the original commission, you have a theme appendix where you go through, this is why you certain cards have the scripture and it's based on this story and all that stuff. Um, so that was really cool to see. Why was that important for you to add and how the kind of faith influence your design and what you wanted to kind of um, show forth as people were playing commission. So let's just talk about the elephant in the room up front. And that's that most Christian games are terrible, terrible, <laughs> right? They're, no they're either, <laughs> they're either trivia games, which just make you feel dumb uh, or they are educational, right? Where you have no real choices. You just must do as you're told. And nobody wants to play a game like that. Uh, so as we set out uh, to design commissioned and, and this became, you know, our company's mission statement is to build games that create joy. That's what Cara means. It's that enduring joy, right? Yeah. Build games that create joy by developing relationships with God and people. And so right from the outset, we have two objectives. One, the game has to be fun for a person of any faith background or none to sit down and play. 
it must be a real game. It must be really fun, right? And then two, a Christian should be able to sit down and learn something uh, in the gameplay, but not feel like they've been, you know, preached at or, uh, or dumb or something like that in, in the process, right? So a real game that's really fun for everybody. And also you might be able to learn basically by immersion, right? I'm, I'm not going to sit down. The game doesn't sit down and teach you anything, but just by walking through the historical period, you're probably going to learn something that you haven't encountered before, right? So those are our two design principles and, and how we approach uh, any game, but especially commissioned as we looked at the historical theme. Uh, so that, that's what you'll get with commissioned and that's what you'll get more of with the call. And that's where the theme appendix comes from, right? So if you want to know everything that you can possibly know about the background information, then the theme appendix is there for you. It's got the historical event, but why the map is, why the map is, why the cards are, what the cards are, what is the, the scriptural or historical evidence that allowed that part of the game to appear in the game. Mm-hmm. What, you know, the scenario cards talk about what was going on at that particular period of church history and, and what the, why the challenges are, what the challenges uh, were and, and that you're going to have to face as you go through. So that theme appendix, if you're really into that, you can open up that theme appendix and, and read everything that you want. If you don't care, that's fine. Just sit down and have fun playing the game with the people around the table, right? That's where the joy comes from is from the relationships not necessarily from the game itself, right? So have fun with the people around your table and, and that's the goal of commission. In the call, we're gonna do the same thing. We're adding these characters and the first part of the rule book has got all of the rules and how, you know, how do you play solo? How do you use chains? What do the new apostles do? What are the new trials? All those kinds of things are <laughs> explained up front. And then in the back, last couple of pages, there's a theme appendix for all of the new faith cards, all the new trials, it's all, why are the chains, what the chains are, all of that is uh, explained in the new book. So it's there for your level of engagement, uh, just like we did in Commissioned. Very cool. You mentioned that uh, a lot of Christian games tend to be trivia games. And to me, there's not much replayability to trivia games. Uh, Can you speak some to the replayability of your game? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we introduced a couple of elements into Commissioned uh, on purpose to build some replayability that aren't historically 100% in line, right? So like the trial deck, for example, uh, there are 21 cards in that deck in the base game, and they are all historical events, but they don't occur in the game in historical order. They occur in a randomized order, okay? Now with the call, we're adding up to nine more new trials, but the deck will still stay at 21 cards. So now you don't even know what's going to be in that deck when you sit down to play. Uh, So lots of replayability comes through the randomizing of that trials because the trials affect where the apostles are as on the board. And so each game, as you spread out and the trials are bouncing around, you're getting a significantly different picture uh, of, of what is happening on the board. Um, so that's, that was number one that we did. Number two is the number of scenarios that are in the base game. So the base game includes five scenarios. The expansion includes two. And these are all like, it's not just kind of different, it's really different. Like mm-hmm. I, I remember interacting with uh, a person on board game geek about nine months after commissioned had come out, had been released. We'd fulfilled to our backers. He was loving the game. He got to scenario number three and just said, this game is broken. It doesn't work. We've played it five times. It's crushing us. I said, have you tried this, this, and this? And the next email I get back is it's not broken. there's just a fundamentally different strategy for each scenario and that builds a lot of replayability into the game then the third thing that we did was we added two difficulty levels so within that trial deck six of those cards uh, are what we call disciple cards and six of those cards are martyr cards and you can imagine what happens to the trial deck when you uh, hit that upgrade right so uh, if, if you lose five churches in the game, uh, then you have lost the scenario. And when you play on the martyr deck, you are always on the ragged edge of defeat. Um, so 
uh, the base game uh, with the normal difficulty level is kind of meched so that you win about 60% of the time when you play with the uh, disciple or the martyr deck, it, it goes down to you only win about 30% of the time. Yeah. So there's a pretty significant. So if you, if you feel like you got it all figured out, just up the difficulty a little. And, and now chains, chains yeah. is rolling in right on top of that, right? So if you think you've got commission figured out, you, you, there's more to come. Well, I think, I think uh, a couple of those really speak to me. One, uh, the fact that in the base game itself, you had so many scenarios that were fundamentally different from each other. And so you've already sort of proven that you don't just have one idea and you're going to rehash it over and over again because the base game had so many different ideas. So I think, I think that speaks to why some people could look forward to this expansion because they're getting two more, like you said, fundamentally different scenarios. So that's cool. Um, I, I, obviously, I have not read these scenarios, so, so I'm not you know, a paid chill telling, uh, telling everyone how, how awesome it's going to be. But uh, I know that those are the things that I look for. Um, and replayability, uh, adding the, the, the different challenging aspects of the game uh we talked about why you know some christian games or most christian games are so meh and i think that part of that is the ones that just try and teach you stuff uh aren't hard um there's no strategy to figure out some people like a game like that for me i'm a very strategy tactical person so having the ability to to lose is really important um i think in a board game so that i'm glad to hear that you mentioned well, if it makes you feel any better, I did, I did four demos uh, on Tabletop Simulator over uh, the first weekend of October at LTN Con, and we played four games. We won two, and we lost two, and I was playing in those games. So uh, <laughs> the you, designer you definitely, that's right, you definitely have the ability to lose the game uh, yeah. in commission, and especially with the call. The, the Council of Jerusalem uh, is about as difficult it's very different but about as difficult as the acts of the apostles which is the base scenario the first scenario that you play in the base game the passing the torch is intentionally made more difficult so if you think commissioned is too easy play passing the torch uh with chains and if you if you put put in the martyr cards you may as well just put it all back in the box because you're, <laughs> you're not gonna you're not gonna make it but yeah. that, that that scenario specifically is is built for you you uh, uh, so you've you've been doing a lot of playtesting, obviously to to push this out. Just months and months and months, if not years, right? Um, what are some of the other stories? You mentioned the guy that emailed you and said the game is broken. What are um, what are some some other stories that you've heard of people who have played this game, either in Christian circles or mixed circles? Um, what are some stories that, that you've heard over your your flash? We, we've heard all kinds of things, and this is where really it, it, it encourages us to keep doing what we're doing, right? Because as a publisher, uh, in between Kickstarters, you, you don't really know uh, how your core audience is doing because we're not all as connected as we want to be, right? I, I can't sit down around the table with you guys and get the feedback on what you think of the game, right? So we have to rely on, on people who reach out to us with stories or ratings on BoardGameGeek and, and those kinds of things. Um, but we've heard everything from people using the game in schools for history, uh, using the game in churches uh, to, for Bible studies. And those were always in the back of our mind as we were kind of putting the game together. Uh, youth group events. Uh, we've, we've heard of uh, people of all different faith backgrounds. And we intentionally test our designs with people of all different backgrounds. So commission's been played with Jewish folks, Christian folks, atheists. I mean, you name it, they have sat down and played it and had fun playing commissioned because of the historical nature. And, and whether you're a Christian or not, what happened in the early church changed the whole course of Western civilization. So kind of looking back at that can be very informative and eye-opening, both as, as history, but also for learning uh, about maybe what we are doing right and what we are doing wrong today. Uh, and it can lead some, to some interesting discussions there. Uh, so, you know, certainly heard a all different kinds of stories for how commissioned has been used. Uh, the stories that I personally enjoy the most are the <coughs> stories of, of Christians who play commissioned and, and get it. They see what the game is doing and how it ties to the thematic material uh, in the game. 
and then are able to play the game and have fun with family members or friends who are not Christians and have it lead to productive discussions after the game. Those are my ultimate favorite, right? Because commissioned is not going to preach at you. It's not going to try to convert you. It is just going to walk you through what happened historically. Um, But the conversations that players have, why does this trial say gladiator games? What does that mean? Or why does that faith card have that effect? Like, why does persecution cause you to move? That's actually helping you. Like, why does that happen? Mm. All of those kind of discussions come around after the game. And, and that just, that's awesome when we hear those stories. And, and we love to hear those stories. I think that's amazing. One of the things we always love to do just um, in our organization on our podcast is always sharing hope and faith with people. Uh, so anyone who sits down to play commission, maybe they're a believer, maybe they're not. What would you like for them to leave with? And how would you like them, <clears throat> excuse me, to be encouraged by kind of their time together? Sure. I, I think the, the thing that I learned learning church history uh, and that I hope people take away from playing commissioned is how amazing the movement of the early church. Cause remember this is all the first 150 years, right? So this is, this is spreading in the face of intense government, you know, martyrdom, religious oppression, all, all kinds of natural disasters. You know, Christianity is not the state religion of Rome and that doesn't happen until much later. So all of the, this whole movement of people happens way before any of that happens. So there's no political ties. There's no, you know, personal power and agendas going on um, at that point. You know, this is, this is all just people giving up their life uh, for something that they believed in. And as you play the game, you're like, I don't think we're going to make it. I don't think, and sometimes you don't, right? Uh, usually plays that you need like another turn or two, or you win with one or two turns left, right? And, and so it's, it is a difficult thing, uh, and you can't get there without some of the, uh, the miracle effects coming out of uh, the faith decks that you, that you can get. And I think that speaks to the difficulty that the early church faced and just kind of making that difficulty real to people. Um, you know, we kind of have this modern American church viewpoint on history, but our reality is not what their reality was. And, yeah. and so taking ourselves up out of that and putting ourselves down into history is very eye-opening from both a, a faith standpoint and a historical standpoint. Very cool. Really good point. Anyone else have any? Uh, last questions as we start to, to wind down here, Derek, Anna. Just my last question that I love to ask people. What is one question you would like for an interviewer to ask you? <laughs> mm, that's a, that's a good question. And then answer. I think that for us, the, the question boils down to why did you decide uh, to get into publishing after designing um, and because they are very, very different things. Um, and for us, the answer is really because there was no option. Um, you know, at, when we were looking at publishing commissioned in 2014 and 15, we did everything we could to find a publishing home for it. And there, there was no room at the inn, as, uh, as you might say. Uh, so, but you know, we, we didn't want to do it, didn't want to do it, didn't want to. And then all of a sudden, people started coming to us that we didn't even know we needed to help. So like a web guy came and built our website for us. Wow. That's cool. Uh, an artist showed up with a background in art history, wanting to do the art for the game. <laughs> okay. That's cool. Like, I mean, it was just like four or five of these things in a row where we didn't ask, they came to us and like, okay, we get it. We get it. <laughs> Uh, so we, we started publishing and, and we have now been a, a place for a couple of other publishers, or a couple of other designers rather, to, to find a place that can look at their game and can see 
what's going on and, and make a game that is fun for everybody, regardless of their background, but still, you know, a Christian can sit down and learn from it. It's a space to explore through, uh, through the, the wonderful reality of modern board gaming uh, history or story or uh, even a modern day setting like our, our game Unauthorized is, is much more modern and, and looks at the reality of the underground church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of those dynamics. Uh, and so uh, you can really get in and explore some tough issues in a way that is really fun for people to participate in, regardless of your background. And so that's, that's why we made the transition mm-hmm. from designing to publishing. Um, and we couldn't keep doing it if people didn't keep supporting us through the Kickstarters and through purchasing our games. Our hardest, our hardest obstacle is getting people to know we exist you know there's three thousand board games a year that come out and it seems like there's about two thousand new companies a year so a small company like us we live and die literally based on word of mouth and so you know talking to you guys you know sharing with uh with people is is the most important thing we can do because we have got to got to reach out and let people know that that we exist and that these games are here that's really great. Thank you for that. And I think uh, it's it's funny. My wife and I last night we were literally talking about uh, people who are successful in ways that matter versus people who are just successful um, from like an earthly perspective. And one of the things that that I shared with her is that you know for me for someone to be successful in a way that matters, they've they've crossed through the door and then they've turned around and they're helping other people cross through the same door. And so uh, I think that's just really ironic for me because we talked about that last night and then today uh you know seeing you guys do that making that transition into also helping other people um because you saw a need so i think that's awesome it's very commendable um thank you patrick uh for for being here and being a part of uh of our little show and uh talking to us about your game uh derek hannah you guys always awesome as well and ultimately thank you for watching uh, this, this, this show that we put on every week. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. We love you. More importantly, God loves you. And we'll see you next time. Bye, Thank you. I just hit the record button, and it doesn't mean that everything is now going on the internet. Uh, so you are safe for a few seconds. But once, once I start the introduction, all bets are off. <laughs> we do edit for time and content a little yes, bit sometimes. So. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's all good. Something falls in the background or there's kids screaming, no problem, we'll take care of it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it.